Seriously. Sean Little is a sports betting analyst for MSG, also host of the No Catch-Up Podcast. He jumps on and joins us now. And, you know, we look at this West, man. Now the Lakers look like a real team. I bet them to make the playoffs the minute that trade deadline passed because I loved what they built. Now Anthony Davis is healthy, knock on wood, because I think we all benefit as sports fans watching a healthy Anthony Davis with that Lakers team. They've won three straight. It's kind of more running to, through Anthony Davis as opposed to LeBron. LeBron's more of the facilitator. And then you got the Suns. They've won five straight with Kevin Durant back. I, I mean... When you look at the Western Conference right now, are we going to have a situation where, like, a six seed and a seven seed ends up getting to, like, the math won't really work out to the Western Conference Finals. But you get what I mean. Like, we're going to end up having yeah. lower seeds, I think, with these teams that have come on late in the year, and that's going to be the team that ends up getting to the Western Conference Finals. It's for sure Tristan didn't write this question because the Kings are up there at the top. You know what I'm talking about. So we... we... Do you have confidence <laughs> in that team, though? Like that's the, so that's the thing. If you look at the West right now, they're, they're um, incredible offensively, but we know that they yeah. do struggle as a team defensively, and we're watching the Suns and Lakers and teams like that. So where would you put the Kings then compared to some of these other teams like the Lakers and Suns, the fact that they're coming on now? Yeah, jokes aside, when it really, especially after the first round and we start getting deeper in the playoffs, you're going to have to do a lot of damage in the half court and you're going to have to get stops in the half court. And that's not particularly how the Kings want to play basketball. But to, to answer your question off top, Nick, I believe, yeah, there, there could, there's a world where we could see some teams make some, some runs from the six, seven, eight seed in the West and actually potentially be able to represent that side of the NBA but yeah I mean Anthony Davis this is nothing new we know Anthony Davis can bully people mm -hmm. and score 30 a night and grab 15 boards when he's healthy he seems to be healthy right now they're rolling in right as they're supposed to I believe the only player that is plug and play is Kevin Durant I know the news broke that Wiggins is going to come back here in the fold now and I I'm not as confident that he could just walk off from not playing in months and then just continue to be one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, and then the Warriors are just going to take off. So, yeah, I I, I, I do think it could be a, a six, seven, eight, one of those lower seeds that could, could win the West, though. One of the teams that's looking like they are squarely in the seventh spot is our dubs. They lose one to the Nuggets mm -hmm. without Jokic. Clippers, yep. Lakers, Warriors all battling it out, probably all going to have 43 wins. And the Clippers own the tie break. And then the Warriors, uh, I think the Lakers own the tie break over the Warriors. So the Warriors are a low man on the totem pole. Like you said, though, Wiggins coming back into the fold is interesting. If they ended up facing the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round, outside of the fireworks that is that, who do you give the, who do you give the edge to? Yeah, honestly, I actually like the Grizzlies. I think no one's talking about them. They've completely lost all steam since the John Morant thing, but he's now back in the fold. I think at plus 600, that's the last number I saw before I hopped on. I think that number's too long. 14-7 and seven since the All-Star break. They're going to end the year second uh, overall in defensive efficiency. They've still been a top seven unit the last 15 games or so. And then when you talk about the Luke Kennard addition with him coming on, I know nobody thought that was a big deal, but I actually talked about it on Bet MGM tonight. Last time I was on, we talked about mm -hmm. what was a, a splashy, splashy potential addition at the, at the break. And I love Luke Kennard since he's come to the Grizzlies in 23 games, he's 63 of 120 from three. That's 53%. He had 10 threes the other night. When, when you talk about a team that struggles in the half court, like Memphis does, he's going to be able to spread, spread guys out. He's been knocking down the looks that he's been getting. I would take Memphis in that spot. I am a fade, the golden state warriors, Ooh. the, at, at, at every spot. 
for me. At every spot. I completely agree. Thank you. I hate that. Yeah, I think they're getting. I think they're getting. I got them fifteen to one to win the title. You're making me feel terrible now. Damn it, Let's let's talk about the things that matter around here. I can't wait for this season to end, only because of this stupid MVP race. So today, Embiid. That's who I have big money on. Embiid minus two ten. Jokic. I have a little bit on him plus two fifty. But now all of a sudden, Giannis is scaring me a little bit. He's plus six hundred. Uh, should I feel good since Embiid's minus 210, or do you think ultimately Jokic ends up winning his third straight MVP? What do you think happens here? Yeah, so I am in the camp about a month ago. I put some content out on it that Jokic is going to win MVP deservedly. He should have won MVP. And then I actually got to the window on Embiid last week at minus 150. I think that overall, after that final uh, Bontep straw poll came out, I think just overall – he's going to get the most, the most first and second place votes. I don't think Embiid's going to be third on anybody's list. So I think it's, it's, we've, we're now to the point where some people are going to have Jokic at three, and Giannis is going to get some second place and first place votes from a couple people. The only thing slowing down Giannis is the, the, the 16 games missed that he has. And um, I think overall the human nature element for the three straight MVPs for Jokic is going to be too much to overcome. It's it's one of those things where I believe it's Embiid's time. I think he's going to get the votes, and he's had an awesome year. I think the if the on the floor stuff wasn't so close, it'd be it'd be a difference. But there's been stretches where Embiid's clearly been the most dominant guy. Then we know the playmaking ability of Jokic, and then we know like hey. The, the Bucks are clearly the best team in the NBA right now, and who leads those guys? It's Giannis, so maybe we can give it to him. I think overall the narrative and, and with voter fatigue and the whole thing, I think all that stuff's very real. I think MB gets it done. Yeah, the, the voter fatigue and just narratives based around MVP has, has always been there, and I feel like now it's just it's become more and more prevalent because we, we look at an NBA, man, and there are so many players that you could argue are having MVP seasons, like legit MVP seasons. Going down to Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland in the year that he's had, I mean, he's been fantastic. But when you look at these teams as a whole, the Bucks are the best team in the NBA. They're the favorites now to win the title at plus 275 at BetMGM. But I'm watching a full-strength Bucks team when they get Chris Middleton out there, and you've got Giannis who just doesn't miss time and plays hard every single night, I, I just I watch a team that just looks different than everybody else. Where to me, I have confidence in the Bucks and them being consistent as long as they're healthy. I don't know what I'm getting from the Nuggets or the Sixers or you know even right now the the Celtics. So when you look at that, do you see the Bucks as head and shoulders above everybody else right now? Maybe just from a confidence perspective. Yeah, I agree. We can go on to the next question. <laughs> no, I, I'm all over uh, Milwaukee. I think they're the best team in the NBA. I I don't trust. I want a I want a team going into the playoffs where everything on the outside is extremely quiet. They're all about playing ball on the floor. There's still stuff trickling out in Boston and uh, about the Jalen Brown situation. I know Tristan, you've been vocal about that, but there's just a lot of stuff going on. I don't know how they're going to close games. They also have a rookie head coach. I know he's been doing a, a good job in Joe Missoula, but he still doesn't have playoff experience. I don't. I'm not as confident as I am in the Milwaukee Bucks. And we saw what they could do without Middleton last year. I know Boston added Brogdon, which is going to be a he's going to be a major major factor in the playoffs. Um, I'm worried about Tom Lord, Robert Williams. He never should have got that meniscus uh, removed. He he was trying to get back as soon as he could last year. He should have taken the time off and got That's that repaired. That's what Boston does, he, though, don't they, Sean? <laughs> yeah, he has a yeah yeah. They don't yeah talk to Isaiah Thomas, but they'll they. they 
they shouldn't have rushed him back. I still think he hasn't looked the same and hasn't been all the way back even this year. I just overall trust Giannis. I trust Milwaukee. And also, let's talk about Drew Holiday, man. I mean, yes. if now he's just shown you even more often than he was years prior that I can go off and I could really score 35-40 if, if necessary. So, yeah, Milwaukee is very spooky. I, I love what they got going right now. You know who is spooky? For all the bad reasons, uh, the Dallas Mavericks. I think they might be in the worst situation of any NBA team, uh, period. There are now reports that they're seriously considering shutting down Luke and Kyrie for the rest of the year. There's no surprise there in terms of why. Here's my point, and I'd like to get get your thoughts. And I said this on Twitter, and I'm going to say it now on the show. I think the only reasonable thing for the Dallas Mavericks to do to get out from under the situation that they're in is to trade Luca. I think we are going to start having a conversation very soon about what is going on with Luca and whatever teammates you pair with them. What are your thoughts about that? That's ludicrous. You don't ever trade or entertain trading Luca. You literally empty the building of everyone else but him. You can empty the janitors. You can go get new staff, fixing the floors. Everybody else but Luca can go. So I gotta di- I gotta disagree with you there. You gotta figure out a way to to get people around him because eventually he's just gonna ask to leave anyway. So you gotta That's try my point. your yeah yeah no I, I understand that and and there and and I understand that you don't want to be in a spot where Luca's asking to leave and you're left with a baron you didn't get anything for him et cetera et cetera. I understand that, but I think you have to do everything you can to to try to make that work. I, I tend to more look at Luca. Uh, from a physical standpoint, this still does not get enough play. I understand on the offensive end, he's unstoppable. I get that. But I think part of the reason he doesn't play any defense is because he physically cannot, because he is out of shape and he would fall, he'd pass out if he was trying to go on both <laughs> ends of the floor. It's, it's simply a fact where he really needs to get his body in tune because he's flat out not in that good of shape and he's resting on the laurels of him being extremely physical and how talented he is on the offensive side. But Luka needs to get serious about his body, and they do need to figure out what they have to do to to figure out the roster. The, The whole Kyrie situation coming in was always a questionable matchup, and it's shown that it hasn't worked, and they have to figure something out. But I... I, I, I'm not in the camp of trading top five NBA players. No cap space, though, Sean, and no picks. How do you surround Luka with talent? Yeah, you have to figure it out. I think that's like that—that's their job. That's like what the GM job over there is to figure something out. I don't—I <laughs> don't know. Like that, I, I understand. Like whatever has to be done. If you have to call the Rams accountant and figure out how they were doing all that stuff in LA, like do whatever you have to do. I, I just think you can't trade Luca. You have to figure out a way to to try to get it done because he's just too much of a talent. Uh, Sean, we got about two minutes here. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jaron Jackson, minus 145 to win Defensive Player of the Year? Brooke Lopez is plus 115. I know he's a dominant rim protector, but I don't think you could honestly vote for him to win Defensive Player of the Year, could you? Man, I mean, tell a couple of weeks ago, he was the favorite at about the same number as JJJ is right now, minus 150, minus 160. I even yeah, saw it flipped. up to at one point. I think naturally, like I mentioned earlier, they're going to end the year as one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, and it's a big, big reason is because of Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think team defensively-wise, Lopez has been doing a phenomenal job. 
And overall, that team plays a really good brand of defense, one of the best in the NBA. I think as a defensive player of the year and on an impact base individually, he does a, a – a big, a, I guess he has more. He has a bigger impact than Lopez overall on that yeah. team on the defensive side. Is Jaron Jackson Jr. He's the best shot blocker in the NBA, and um, yeah, it's it's tough because Lopez has been. I think he's right there, like number two or three in the NBA in blocks as well. But yeah, I like Jaron Jackson. I thought I I I sent out a tweet early in the year that you should bet Jaron Jackson DPOI, and yeah. you're just fading injury. So yeah, I think JJJ is the guy, but um. These numbers seem to fluctuate day to day, so who knows? Got about a minute left or so here. Uh, as a Knicks fan, I get to sit here and confide in you uh, and the suffering. I know that you've had. You're right in the thick of that over the years. In about a minute here, what's the ceiling for this team? I, they're good. I, I don't think they compete in the East. They're forty to one to win the East, but I, I really like what they've grown into. Yeah, first round win is the absolute mm-hmm. top of the ceiling, in my opinion. If they could yeah. beat Cleveland, who they have had success against, I think. That might be a number you might want to look at when when the odds, the series odds come out, because they've they're three and one against those guys on the year. They've played them extremely well in in, in both sides of the ball. It's been low scoring. Randall not being around for the first couple games is obviously the big factor. But this is why it's key when you're the Knicks. You you get that six, you get the automatic bid, and you get a couple extra days off while the playoff uh, play in. Is happening, so I think if they could get a first round win, that'd be uh the probably the the best season they've had since they went to the finals. I'll take it. I'll take it. Get Sean safe, Little, Sean, Sean, you're in that empty room. Someone's kidnapped him. <laughs> hey, what are we doing in this nine twenty national championship slot? By the way, we can talk you about that. Where I get a hard out, we gotta go. We gotta go. It's better. You the night. <laughs>